Thanks for your interest in Emmanuel Baptist. Here at Emmanuel, we believe in the one and only authoritative text for guidance, the Holy Bible. We pray that this sermon will speak to your heart and open your eyes to the glory of God. Make sure you plug into your local church and get to know others that love the Holy Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just like you. Thanks again, and God bless you guys. I know all of you have seen TV programs, these lawyer programs, things like uh, the old Perry Mason or Matlock or uh, Boston Legal or The Good Wives and other shows I'm sure you've seen, these lawyer shows, and, and inevitably, sooner or later, they get in the courtroom and there's a witness. There's a person giving a testimony about this, about that, about the other. I was able to be in court one time to give my testimony. There was a gentleman in our church, uh, a Newport church. He was a young deacon, about 40 years old. And he was suing his wife, ex-wife, for custody of their son. She had another ex-husband, and he also was suing her for custody of his son. And I don't understand legal stuff, but apparently both of the lawyers of the two gentlemen came together and presented one case to the court for both those sons to be suing the ex-wife of the two ex-husbands. One of them was a deacon in my church, and he asked me to be a character witness for him. First time, only time I've been in court for that reason. Okay. I gave testimony. You see, friends, sooner or later, even today perhaps, you will need to give testimony for and about Jesus Christ. So the question is, what kind of manner will you give your testimony about Jesus Christ? Now, in the Apostle John, John the Apostle has already introduced John the Baptist, we saw in verses 6 through 8 and verse 15. But his primary role, John the Baptist, was that to give a testimony of the light. In today's text, we find that John, that role is fleshed out in John's testimony. Uh, in these verses that we just read, 19 to 34, John the Baptist illustrates how to give testimony to that light. There's three things I want to say. I keep forgetting to do this. Call the first witness. Okay, giving your testimony. First, we must recognize who we are not. Look at our text again, 19 to 21. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And asked him, him, What are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, No. See, John the Baptist was, was drawing uh, a, a large crowd. Naturally, he attracted attention of the religious leaders in Jerusalem probably about 20 miles away, up, up the road to Jerusalem. And, and this, this happening, this, this exciting thing, this, this wild man was in, out of the wilderness, come to uh, the Jordan River, uh, close to uh, the Dead Sea, thereabouts, and he's baptizing and preaching and making a fuss, you might say, and attracted attention to all these religious leaders, and they sent a delegation down to see John and question him, who is this guy? That's part of the Pharisees' and religious leaders' uh, role is to check out people. Make sure they're orthodox. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're not heretics. So they go down and check John out, and, and they, 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 the leaders couldn't ignore someone who attracted such a large attention. And John was an enigma. 
you know, he didn't conform to what the normal standards were, so they had to go and, and check him out. And, and they asked him these questions, and he was responding pretty forcefully who he was not. I am not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. I am not Elijah. I am not the great prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, uh, Moses talks about a great prophet like Moses that will come on the scene later. Are you that guy? No, I'm not Elijah, who, of course, remember Elijah? He, he was taken off in the fiery chariot. He never died, so he's probably coming back. Are you this guy? No, I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the great prophet Moses talking about. I am not any of those. So John, giving his testimony, giving his witness, he knew, he recognized who he was not. I am not those people. The, the increasing curtness of John's successive answers can't be missed here. I'm not the Christ. I am not. No. He was almost getting exasperated with these, these leaders. You know, I'm not any of these people. And the, the, John the Baptist seems to have a dislike for answering questions about himself. I think he's saying, guys, this is not about me. Don't, you, you're asking the wrong questions. It's not about me. I'm not giving witness testimony about myself. I came to give testimony about someone else. He recognized who he was not. He was not the Messiah. He was not Elijah. He was not the great prophet. Now, when I was in court, and the court was in Wilmington, by the way, it makes any difference, but when I was in court for this, this trial, I was not the star witness. I was not an expert witness. I was just a Joe, a regular guy who knew the plaintiff. I was there as his character witness, it wasn't about me or my resume or about whatever I was his pastor, whoopie doo. That's why he invited me there. But it wasn't about me. If you're going to give proper testimony, you must recognize who you are not. You're not the star witness, you're not the expert witness, you're not the Messiah, you're not the great prophet, you're not Elijah. We cannot think of ourselves any more than what we are. We are just witnesses for Jesus Christ. We don't seek our own glory in testifying and witnessing. We seek the glory of the one who has sent us, Jesus. And as a testifier, we need to remember that we are not Jesus. Sometimes we share testimonies, hoping a gospel presentation, hoping to receive Christ. And if they don't, we feel bad about it because but we shouldn't. We're not Jesus. He's the one that saves. We don't save even our testimony. We are not God. We're only a testifier. We are a witness. Now, John knew who he was not. Good. And this leads us to our second point. We must know who we are. Verses 22 to 24. And they said to him, who are you? When you give an answer to those who sent us, what do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, the, these religious uh, delegation that came from Jerusalem on behalf of the, of the Sanhedrin, I guess, they were not content with John's denials. John kept saying, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the great prophet. And, and that wasn't satisfying to them at all. They must have some kind of response to take back to their leaders in Jerusalem. 
So they question him further. If you're not any one of these people we suggested to you, then who are you? I mean, what's your credentials? What, what's going on? Uh, what's your role? What do you have to say about yourself? Show us your resume. I mean, what, what's the deal here, guys? And they turn the matter of the John. You tell us then. But John did not flesh his credentials. He didn't flatter himself or build up his own name. He didn't tip to make himself look great. John knew he, who, who he was. Look at his reply there in, in verse 22. I, he's quoting from Isaiah. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as a prophet Isaiah said. He's saying, I am a voice. That's all I am. I'm just a voice. You don't need to know my name. That's, that's immaterial. You don't know where I came from. It's immaterial. You just need to know I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. I am not an important person. I am not a prophet. I am not a Messiah. I am just a voice. Now, like the eternal word we saw in the prologue, the first verses of the Gospel of John here in chapter 1, the eternal word is eternal. A voice is just temporary. I'm speaking my voice right now. It goes out and it's gone. Just, just temporary. A voice is fleeting. Uh, a voice is fading. And that's how John viewed himself. I'm merely a fading voice that's crying in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Messiah. See, John's message is one of preparation. Make straight the way of the Lord. John was summoning the people to be ready for the coming of the Messiah, who he was not. He was one preparing the way for the coming king. So this was an important role in the Old Testament and, and, and even in the New Testament too during this time. As Isaiah is saying, what, when, when a king would come, you would prepare everything. The, the bumpy roads, I guess, would say you fill in the potholes if they came through Kinston. If the president came through Kinston, you fill in the potholes. You make straight. You know, you, you would smooth out the road. And as any ups and downs, you make it smooth. And, and I, I, I know this from second, third hand. But I remember this one, one speaker, he, he's, he's a British uh, a preacher, and he was saying about when the, uh, the Prince of, of England, uh, Prince Charles, would come and visit somewhere, some, some cathedral, some church, the people ahead of time would, would spend so much time cleaning up and repainting, making things look just right. And I, 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 it's not really a joke, I guess, but he said that all the prince would smell all the time was fresh paint. <laughs> Everywhere he went, it was fresh paint. They're preparing the way for the Prince of Wales to come to their location. That's what John was doing. He's preparing the way for the king to come by making the smooth path. A voice crying in the wilderness. He knew who he was. He was just a voice. Now, when I was in court that day, I understood my role. My role is to testify on behalf of the plaintiff was I'm just a voice for him. I was just giving testimony of who this guy is and, and, and what he's about. No more, no less. I got up and said a little speech, a little, you know, two or three minute, who knew him and what he did, and he was a deacon in the church, and, and the judge asked me, well, what's a deacon do? You know, I explained to him what a deacon does and, and what he doesn't do, and I was just a voice on behalf of my friend who was a plaintiff in this uh, uh, court case. No more, no less. Again, I was not the star witness. I knew who I was. Just a friend testified. I was just a voice for my friend. 
You see, friends, all of us in this room are called to be a voice. You are the temporary voice chosen to prepare the way in our generation here in 2019. You see, every generation has a voice, and you are the voice for this generation. Your role is temporary, but essential. Without your voice, the people will not hear. I'll probably say this several times in the coming months, but, but see, we, we kind of sang about this too. Part, God's plan A is for the church, you and me, to go into all the world and share the gospel. The Great Commission, that's God's plan A. Do you want plan B is? If we don't do it, what plan B is? There is no plan B. It's just plan A. That's why God has designed it. He could have used angels. He could have done something else. But he has decided in his sovereign will, he's going to use the church to be a voice to every generation and do the Great Commission. If we don't do it, it doesn't get done. There is no plan B. This is God's plan. But we are a voice for this generation, and that includes the next generation coming up. But we are a voice. John the Baptist voice then. We are a boy, voice today. We are prepare our generation for the coming king. So to, to be a good witness, to be a good testifier, we must recognize who we are not and also recognize who we are. And that leads us to our third point. The third point is we must point others to Jesus, verses 25 to 34. The, Verse 25, they asked him, why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. And even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, testified. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen have bore witness that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist is pointing. That's the man. I'm pointing to Jesus. It's not about me. I know who I'm not. I know who I am. I'm a voice. I'm here to point to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, this, this thing John was doing, besides John looked weird. He, he had that crazy hair and he'd eaten locusts and so forth. And he was like a, a walking billboard. Didn't have those things then. He attracted attention. But baptizing was not something you regularly saw. Jews in, don't get baptized. Now, if you are not a Jew and you want to become a full-fledged Jew, part of that process is being baptized. Now, so for John to be baptizing Jews for repentance was most unusual. I mean, no, it wasn't most unusual. It was unusual. It was different. So this was really causing a stir. So, so John's words are to the answer is, why are you baptizing? What, what's going on here, son? 
Why are you baptizing? And he simply points out that the emphasis was not on what he did and what he was doing, but the contrast with who he was being compared to, to Jesus. It's not about me. It's not only about baptizing. It's about Jesus. In fact, the baptism really helped me see who the Messiah was or is, Jesus. John's response reveals clearly the proper role of the testifier. So what does John do? He points them to Jesus. In essence, John is saying, it's not about me. It's not about the right of baptism. It's not about the authority that I have to, to baptize. It's, it's none of that. It's all about, say with me, Jesus. That's what it's about. So what does John tell us about Jesus in these verses? He shows us how we are to point others to Jesus. So what, how can we learn from John here? We can learn we are to point to Jesus' greatness. In verses 28 and 29, he, he is saying that I am not worthy to loosen the throng of the sandal that this man is wearing. Now, that's an interesting picture in itself. That's, uh, to, to, to loosen someone else's sandal was the most menial of all tasks. The lowest slave would do that. So, as you know, uh, they didn't have paved roads. Well, they had, I guess, stone roads that the Romans built, but, but basic roads were, were dirt and, and dust, and you wore sandals if you wore shoes at all, but you wore sandals, and your feet got dirty. And the, you go into a home to be washed, and the, the most menial of the servants would do that and maybe would untie the sandal so you could take it off. Maybe they'd wash it or you'd be more comfortable in the house. But, but even um, the disciples were not asked to loosen the sandals of their teachers. Yet John says, I am unworthy to do the single most humbling task to loosen the master's sandals. That's even lower than washing the feet. So he's saying, in comparison to this man I am pointing to, he is tremendously great. He is awesome. He, he is preeminent. And I'm just a lowly, lowly, lowly servant just by pointing out to him. I'm, I'm a nothing. I'm just a voice. I'm not worthy even untie his sandals. So we are to point to Jesus' greatness. I appreciate the songs we sing here week in and week out about the greatness of Jesus. We're praising who he is and what he's done and who he is. And I think as we share our testimonies, we share a witness about Jesus, we need to share with others Jesus' greatness, who he is, what he's done. He is great. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about anything but the greatness of Jesus. And second, in verse 29, we're pointing to Jesus' sacrifice. Verse 29, a powerful verse. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, that means pay attention, everybody look, 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 look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. I, I, that's, I'm not sure John fully understood all that. I'm not sure they did it all, but they had some understanding. Uh, this, this motif of this Lamb of God taking away sin is so familiar to us, modern Christians, that it's difficult for us to imagine what it sounded like in, in a unique way at this time. When, when, when John said this, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, we have 2,000 years of, of church history and theology and Bible study, we understand that better, and it's almost old hat to us. I hope it's not, but it seems that way. To them, this is brand new. This is, they don't know what John was referring to exactly or the uniqueness of what he was saying, 
but I think they had an idea. If you read through the Old Testament, you will find that this revelation of, of uh, the lamb is a revelation of unexplained sacrifices. The whole Old Testament, we, we, the first sacrifice we see is, is in chapter 4 Genesis where Cain and Abel are bringing sacrifices and Abel brings a, the, a, a lamb or a sheep. He brings an animal that is sacrificed. That's the first place we see sacrifice done by humans for worship. And, and, and we think of Father Abraham when, when God made a covenant with him and, and he told Abraham to take some animals and, and cut them in half and, and lay them to the side. And, and through that, God made a covenant with Abraham through the sacrifice there. When, when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea and brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai, and God said, prepare yourselves in three days. We're going, I'm going to meet you. And they made all kinds of animal sacrifices there at the foot of Mount Sinai. And then God gave directions to Moses to build this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, in which, which God would live in the midst of, their, of his people, and, and they would regularly, daily, hourly make sacrifices. People would bring sacrifices, but the priests would make sacrifices all the time, in the mornings and evenings, and all the time they were making sacrifices of different types, their tabernacle, and then when King Solomon built the, the big building, the temple, which is what the tabernacle became a permanent building, sacrifice, blood, death of animals, day in and day out, every day, all the time. Uh, animals were slain in the temple in Jerusalem, even during this time of Jesus when uh, they're in Jerusalem. Uh, even on the great feast days, there are three great feast days or feasts that the Israel would have, thousands of animals were sacrificed. Now, a, a, a stream of blood runs all through the Old Testament. We, we see this animal sacrifice all through the Old Testament, but notice, nowhere in the Old Testament are these sacrifices ever explained. They're just told, do this. This is what I require. This is what I want. In Leviticus, we read, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And then the writer of Hebrews says something, and it is clear there will be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. But nowhere is it explained why God demands blood. Just kind of do it. Now, every sacrifice from this time of Jesus back through all through the Old Testament, every sacrifice ever was a, was a testimony that someone, capital S, someone was coming who would supply that explanation. Someone is coming to explain what is going on. What a testimony. What a witness that the Lamb of God sacrifice who will take away the sins, not just of the Jews, but of the world. John points to Jesus. He recognized it is not about him. He understands that both he is not the Christ. He is just a voice. He understands his role and points to Jesus, who is this great sacrifice for your sin and my sin, for the sin of the world. Well, it's exciting, I guess, to spend five minutes on the witness stand, give him a little testimony to my friend. I'm not sure exactly what I said, but... Um, the conclusion of, I think, it was, I think it was two days they were in court, like a Monday and a Tuesday, I'm, I don't remember, but um, at the end of the trial, uh, both gentlemen got custody, full custody of their sons in this trial. 
And I, I don't know how I heard this. I didn't talk to the judge, but I think when the lawyer said this to me, it might have been my friend who said this, that the judge said, and by the way, the judge asked me what a deacon did. This judge was a deacon in a Baptist church. <laughs> but he was doing it on behalf of the court, so I can explain what it's all about. He knew, he knew what it's about. Personally, the court didn't know what a deacon was, but he did. But the judge apparently said, uh, in my friend's case, after the first 30 minutes, he said, I could dismiss it right then. I, mean, I could have given you custody right then. But since we had the other guy, too, it took two days to get it done. But the court did decide on behalf of both plaintiffs to, to get this done. So I was excited just to give my voice, and it turned out well for the two gentlemen. So kind of a conclusion here, how do we give our testimony? How do we give our witness? Well, first of all, recognize who Jesus is. He's the great one, and we need to know him, of course. If we want to, to do the, the best job of presenting that he is the great one, is to know who he is. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Our testimony about Jesus talks about he is the Savior. He was the cross for us. He's the preexistent one. He's God. He's always existed forever. He's the chosen one. He's the Messiah. He is the Son of God. All those things. We need to tell who Jesus is is recognize who he is and then second recognize what your role is in all this recognize who you're not be, be humble you are not jesus you, you you're not some you're not even billy graham okay so uh you, you just recognize be humble and recognize who you are your voice that should give you confidence i am a voice i can share i have something to share you're a voice, and Isaiah says, you're a highway builder. You're, you're going to be that highway builder for that, or that bridge to connect that person with Jesus. And Wow, I should give you great confidence that you can be that person uh, to testify of him. So your role is to point others to Jesus. May we pray together. Jesus, thank you for John's testimony about John. Thank you that we can learn so much about how to be a witness for you by looking at John's experience. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be a voice, to be a testifier, to give a witness of your greatness and what you've done. You are the Savior of the world. Thank you that you use us, use me, with little children, with older adults, we thank you for using us. May you use each of us individually to testify about you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.